The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. This episode is sponsored by UnityVillage.org. Songwriter Karen Drucker returns to Unity Village with A Woman's Time Out Retreat, September 19th to 22nd. Learn more at UnityVillage.org forward slash events calendar. Why is shame such a powerful emotion? How does it affect us mentally, physically, emotionally? I'm Nadia Davis. I'm a mom, author, attorney, and kundalini yoga teacher who has experienced public shaming that brought me to my knees. On this podcast, I'm going to tell you how I'm living the work taking shame out of the shadows. I'll give you real-life advice and skills to take away with you throughout your day. You'll hear from powerful guests who have overcome trauma and emerged stronger than ever. You too can ban the shame within and around you. Join me. You are not alone. Hi there. It's Nadia and welcome home. I'm just going to dive in and be the novice podcast host that I am and just get real and raw, okay? If this doesn't work in the recording, so be it. If it does, it was meant to be. If you have not listened to episode one, I encourage you to stop this right now and go and listen to episode one because it gives an overview of my childhood core wounds and thinking patterns that I encourage everybody to do on a trauma and addiction recovery journey or on any journey to try and lift layers to connect more to your true self and to others. What helped me the most was to go back and to look at what on earth my mind had attached onto to create fear and judgment-based thoughts that then would turn into shame. So in episode one, you get an overview of my childhood and essentially a conclusion where I identified not only the generational trauma that was carried on down to me, and I give an overview of my hero, my father's um, inspirational story, and my mother's amazing story of survival also, my father, an orphan field worker, my mom who grew up in World War II, and how their parenting styles and just ways of of living carried on down in their parenting styles, bless their hearts, and how in childhood, the core wounds were mainly a fear of abandonment, a sense of unworthiness, and only having worthiness through a perfectionism and through a saving the world, and then a grin and bear it mode, and also sort of a love addiction. Separate from sex, it's this is different. I'm talking about like self-sacrificing, placing myself in harm's way to earn another's love, to prove my love. And it's those patterns, those parts that carried me through young adulthood. In episode one, I go through young adulthood, so much so up until the point that I got pregnant and married, 
my ex-husband. Those patterns carried me through a near-death car accident, through helping to free a wrongfully convicted kid, through the loss of my best friend, and through so much more, the grin and bear it mode in surviving was working. I got multiple awards. I was the up and comer. And in my suit, having been in a wheelchair shortly before, that is how I met my ex-husband. And I had no idea how very separated that I was from my true self and from others. And this is the mode of living where shame has perfect fodder in us. Now we are all born of a core innocence. We are born from and of it. And the only truth that matters is that we are whole, divine, complete, infinite spirits that happen to be in a body. I know it's weird to kind of hear me talk about that, but we are in a body with a mind. And it's so easy to just forget the only truth that matters. So I will repeat that truth a lot on this podcast because the best and first starting place to ban shame is saying, I am not a body nor the thoughts my mind makes. Okay, mind, what's going to show up today? Mainly because it's survivalist in nature and it got us really far. I'm not, I'm not bashing the mind. I mean, we're brilliant. Yet most of our thoughts that we keep with ourselves, hopefully we don't project them, are fear and judgment based. If you really look at them, they're fear and judgment based. And those come from these core wounds that I reviewed so that it could give you some sort of idea where you can start on your healing journey from whatever it is and growth journey. However, I hope that you use this podcast. The mantra that you will leave with, again, comes from a band shame tip sheet that is free and available to you on my website, www.nadia-davis.com. And the mantra, you are not a body nor the thoughts your mind makes, really encapsulates the first chapters of the book, the core wounds and the mental intrigues and survival modes that I was living under that that many of us, um, I think, will be able to identify with also. So from this place, award winner, the, the, the new wife of then standing attorney general, Bill Lockyer, I began to have a lot of disassociation, flashbacks, and severe chronic pain. Now, it's not like it was a literal thought. This is reflection back on life. And we can all do all of that. This is 11 years ago. I'm sorry, actually, it was more than that. I married in 2003. So this is 20 years ago. And I wrote the book a couple years ago. And so as I was writing, which I encourage you to do, I saw so clearly 
three modes that, that remained in place. Grin and bear it. Shut off your feelings. If you express your feelings, you will be abandoned. So fear of abandonment. And prove your worth by saving the world and perfectionism. All patterns that were instilled in me from an early, early time on, again, reviewed in episode one. Now, I know that it is those same modes that carried me in the early years of marriage. Some people go on their entire lives in these modes, kind of unconscious. Some go on a little bit more conscious. But the more conscious that we are of these core wounds and patterns, the more we can free ourselves from shame. So I'm going to share here how those patterns continued in early adulthood and resulted in more trauma and more layers my mind used to separate me from my true self and others. I was further catapulted into the public eye, the young wife of, and how did I manage that? I ignored my depression, my chronic pain, and dove happily, joyously into motherhood. There is an entire chapter dedicated to what were some of the joyous times in my life where Bill and I's love and marriage flourished in a first year, a lot in my denial, a lot in a kind of limited, very limited emotional closeness, but in a, in a mode that, um, that worked. And Diego was such, is such an amazing child. And there were times of just hours and hours in the backyard, hours and hours in our family room, creating large, you know, territories with every single type of construction material that you could possibly think of, magnets, Legos, blocks, um, plastic animals, whatever, um, that would grow over the week. And when he was done, he would name the territory and I'd put on a song and and just times out on the hammock, um, on our balcony, the backyard was always filled with neighborhood kids. And I loved that. Now, somewhere the survival mode in me had me isolating myself from family, from really building friendships up north. I felt very alone having left my entire identity professionally and all my friendships and my family down south. And my one family member that was up there started struggling. And to protect his privacy, I share very little, but we should not have shame about mental health struggles. And that's what he went through. And he was the one thing that was the closest thing to my family. And so he reached out and I began to help him. And during that same time, I 
really myself had a lot of flashbacks and a lot of depression from losses and physical pain. And I started to manage alcoholically and it worked. It totally worked. You know, get your gala dress on, go to this fundraiser um, two, three times a week after being with Diego all day and put on a happy face. I didn't even recognize what was happening with flashbacks and disassociation. I had an energy drink and I had my alcoholic drink and it worked, had no effect on manageability of life. And then something happened within a short time span and I couldn't manage it. I had flashbacks from childhood in an intimate moment with my husband and he unable to be there present for me with his own limitations, I disassociated even more. And I believe from that point on, I was fragile. Thereafter, having taken in my brother, he attempted to take his life under our roof. In this unhealthy, non-close, non-emotionally connected marriage, I, we, I thought having a child, I thought getting a new job would replace that. And I did get pregnant and that child stopped growing in me and it was devastating. My brother was the one who was with me as I had to have a DNC to have her, my daughter's parts removed. My husband was not there with me and I didn't even realize how odd that was. Then the kid who I had represented and helped to free with the help of so many others, Deborah Munns Park, Sidley and Austin, was suddenly struck by a car and killed. All of this happened within a very short time span. I decided to save the world even more. Bill announced that I was running for county supervisor. I was in the most beautiful working position I had ever been in. In my second year as executive director of the Alameda County Family Justice Center, Starting, I believe, to have a drinking level after work that was all self-medicating, depression, flashbacks, chronic pain. Many people can recover with AA, with the help of, of pain management at this point. And it was here where I do wish I can go back in time. Because what happened after that was a level of public shaming that took a whole decade to recover from or set a seven-year journey, I'd like to say. It's still being recovered from is what the truth is. And after that mode 
again, saving the world, loving what I'm doing at the Family Justice Center, working with amazing daily frontline heroes every day under the auspices of the district attorney's office, Nancy O'Malley. We are having an event at Books, Inc. on September 18th in Alameda. And I encourage everybody who's listening to this, who's in NorCal during that time to please join us. My old boss, Nancy O'Malley, will be there. And she was and is such an inspiration. Here I was working for a trailblazing conglomerate of government and nonprofit agencies, reinventing service delivery for victims, raising money, the head of it, creating grant, creating, implementing grants, creating programs through grants that were, again, trailblazing with this magnificent leader. I started miraculously to own up to the fact that I needed help with my drinking. I did not like how much I was drinking. And I reached out to Kaiser Integrated Pain Management as well as their Chemical Dependency Recovery Unit. After I won the primary for County Supervisor District 2, I just realized I, I knew something was off. Looking back, writing the book, I realized you are in Grin and Barrett, Save the World, that same childhood pattern. You are in a fear of abandonment. You are in seeking your core worth on everything outside you. You see how crystal clear it is when we can go back to childhood and identify core wounds, thinking patterns, general ways of living life, how they're repeated throughout adulthood, how our mind creates fears and judgments based on them that can turn into shame and that did turn into shame at that point in my life. However, I believe had life stopped there, who knows? But I believe my shame and my diseases would have been manageable. I despise public shaming so much of human struggle because I personally know how it brought me to my knees and added so many unnecessary layers to get to the truth within me. I don't want anybody else to go through this. I met somebody after my husband and I separated, not legally, but we decided to take a break. He moved to Sacramento. He did not know what was going on with my flashbacks. I felt trapped. I felt misunderstood. And I could no longer force myself to pretend I was trying to be sober. I drank to live the role to live the intimacy, to be exactly as he wanted me to be. I knew I couldn't anymore. And this was literally right before I catapulted even further into public office. In that program, 
I met somebody who filled a loneliness gap that had been there since childhood. It was as though he went into my brain and read every single core wound I had and fit into this picture, this role of a peer that would quote unquote protect me, that would be there as my tears fell, that got me, that was a little younger, so a peer, that liked the same music, that loved to go on walks in nature, that connected with that little Nadia crying for love. That is how he found me when I met him. And that is how I entered that relationship. Shame brought me to that place. I don't want anybody to ever become the victim of such abuse, fraud, and manipulation as I did. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Hi. Okay. I know that I could have recovered had what happened next not happened. But hindsight is a bitch. And I know that the purpose of all of this that happened in my life is so I can help prevent, again, shame from bringing anybody to a place of such vulnerability that this would happen to them. I trusted this person and I had a care and a love for them that was based on a fraudulent persona. In that persona, what happened was I started to believe that he was the only person that could help me with threats I was receiving. They were threats of suicide with pictures of a slit wrist. They were threats that I would go viral and pictures that he had taken that I was unaware he had taken or I was high when he took. You can make a judgment call on that, but was I aware? I don't want anybody to go through this. I also was the victim of online harassment and hacking and stalking. And so in the midst of all of this, as an elected person, buried in shame from my diseases, buried in shame from comments and uh, when I tried to stop it, this person 
would not set me free. This person began threatening me and those threats were from unrecognizable numbers. The psychological tear became so deep, it turned into what a therapist called a dyadic abusive relationship. I believed that he was the only person that can stop the threats. The very threats that, I don't know, he and his friends were doing, I didn't, I didn't know. I was so consumed with all, all the trauma while saving the world. In that core wound pattern, saving the world, grin and bear it, I ended up gr making the grave mistake of responding to a text. In the midst of that, I'm, I pick up my son and I, I basically responded and said, what is happening? What are you doing from an unrecognizable number? I pick up my, from, my son from school and I begin driving home. My husband calls me from Sacramento and asks if I've been trying to access our bank account. In a panic, both of us, I, I blurt out, well, it's probably that person. He responds, you might as well just go ahead and commit suicide. I take that literally in this state, grab some things to be able to stay not at home because my husband's on his way home at that point to check the computer. I grab some things and plan on staying in my district in a short stay hotel. I was so consumed in terror and shame that I responded to that person who said, I can make it stop. Let me help you. My son's asleep. I conk out with him. A few hours passed. I see those texts and I let him in. Desperate, consumed with psychological beliefs, thinking, he was the only person that can make these threats stop. And he was. I believed him. The details of what happened next are in the book. But I will say here, in a moment of truth, he wrapped his hand around my neck and grasped it tightly. I fainted and hit my head. And I will never forget that. The road to recovery thereafter was further complicated by the press covering that story as a sex scandal. Branded an infidel, an addict, a slut, and whatever else you want to add in on there. My whole recovery journey for the next seven years were focused, was focused on everything outside me. Prove you are the little good girl. Prove your truth. Prove the abuse. On self-will, the media just would not let up. Van outside our house, 
my husband now in Sacramento, having left, abandoned Diego and I, I resigned and I returned to Southern California thinking that that would save me. The journey of recovery began. Sobriety from a drug in treatment. And here is where the road to recovery began in the use of three main sources that you will hear throughout this podcast. Early on in my recovery, like I said, in those core wound survival modes, grin and bear it, fear of abandonment, um, this love addiction to prove my love, to earn my, to earn love, shined. Treatment, jail, hospitalizations, relapses, I was exposed to 12-step recovery. The beauty of 12-step recovery and a fellowship was that it helped me to start to build human connection. Dr. Marissa Franco talks about how human connection requires us to be vulnerable. Yet what we feel vulnerable about is what we have learned to feel shame about or in ourselves. So let's ban the shame. Let's bring it out of the shadows. That is what I'm going to do right here. I had to learn to begin to share my truth. Now, everything was still focused outside me. A lot of people, and this isn't a judgment statement, in recovery focus on all the outside and never really get to the personal accountability and honesty where the real fun work begins. For me, it took a while. The outside shaming, and I am not blaming anybody for what happened, yet the public shaming of human struggle has got to stop. All of that, I didn't feel like I was relatable, like what had happened to me, what I had done to myself in the rooms. But 12-step recovery and step work really began to build that human connection and began a consistent schedule. Following a trauma and alcohol relapse, I never returned to drugs, I went into Dee's house. Through Dee's house, this is all in the book, I met Kundalini Yoga. Kundalini Yoga and breath work and the use of sound and mantra are what helped me begin to feel safe and calm in my body. Like I said, identifying the core wounds, how quote-unquote character defects, fears, and judgments come up, building a fellowship, and then learning to feel safe and calm in your body through breath work and sound and mantra is what worked for me. So as I share how I'm living the work transforming shame into power on this podcast, Home is Within You, I will refer also to kundalini yoga and mantra and sound, and you will leave with a takeaway. The third phase was I met Mary and Paul at Dee's house and began therapy. She introduced me to 
A Course in Miracles, or what I call like ego mind work, understanding how our mind separates us from our core truths and each other. I did the 40-day Course in Miracles, and I continued to read it every day. Get up, do my reading, go to my meeting, fulfill sentences in three court systems, children's court, criminal court, family court. It's, it's the same thing, divorce court. Grin and bear it, do your check to-do list, you know, prove your truth, prove your worth. All of that continued. More relapses happened in trauma relapses, which I couldn't grasp my hands around. And today, when I transform shame into power, it is those trauma trigger moments that I will be sharing. I know what those core wounds are today, and it's so cool to be able to share them, how they show up in shame and how we can walk through them. At that point in my life, so this is between 2017 and today, I entered trauma therapy. In trauma therapy, I learned that I am not my body nor my thoughts. Concepts from 12 steps, concepts from Kundalini Yoga and a mantra, the Ekonkar, that basically explains human existence all, all in one, that began to overlap with these realizations and how I learned my mind added these layers, separating me from my core truth with these core trauma wounds. In trauma therapy, I was able to see the parts of me, the little perfectionists, the little, the disassociated grin and bear at one, the love goddess, the giver, the self-sacrificer. Those will still show up and I recognize them. If this sounds all weird to you, trust me, everybody has them. From that point, living the work became my life. And there were times when the trauma triggers and hurt and pains from life got so overwhelming and I mismanaged that there was a relapse. I know today that the more I share and help others, the more likely I'm able to stay stable and sober. I will not let shame keep me silent. I will not let whatever anybody says keep me silent. Here, you will hear nothing but the truth and how I walk through things using 12-step recovery, using ego mind, A Course in Miracle work, using Kundalini Yoga, sound and mantra, and using learnings from trauma therapy. From here on out, you will hear nothing but solution. I will have regular guests, including the next episode with Dr. Stephen Polter, a shame expert. I call him a shame expert. He doesn't. Well, he might. <laughs> the first couple episodes and regular episodes thereafter are with Dr. Stephen Polter, who is joining me as a regular guest on this podcast, we will walk through his book, beginning with, what is shame? 
and why is it a problem? And like the podcast description says, how does it show up? How does it affect us negatively, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically? And how can we transform it into power? You will also hear from regular guest, my oldest son, Diego Lockyer, and how in his generation and in his way through science and his fascination with astrophysics, he finds a way to connect to his truth. And also my spiritual mentor, Priya Jane, and my therapist, Marian Paul. Together, we will walk through how shame comes up, how they have handled it, their story, but most of all, solution. There will also be a, a lot of other random guests here and there, but I want you to know, please, you are whole, perfect, and complete in your truest form, your infinite self. Today, we can start working on identifying fears and judgments that separate us from that truth and each other. Together, we can end all shaming of human struggles so that everybody is given the right, the space, the autonomy to heal on their own. I love you. Please get your free band shame tip sheet and please enjoy listening to this free introduction from the audiobook From Home is Within You, released in ebook and in hard book right here now has been. You can buy it wherever books are sold as well as the audiobook with me as the narrator on September 12th. Here for you is the introduction. Okay. Bye. Welcome home. See you soon, homie. Bye. Home is within you. Introduction. Dear son, when I visited the angels, you were there. My father's inspiration carried me through years when I thrived working in my element. A little brown girl who simply wanted to save the world, I became a passionate attorney and school board member in the city he grew up in. Young, smart, and beautiful, they said, an up-and-comer, I wanted to bring warmth and light where the dark was winning. So when a desperate mother begged me to help free her innocent son, I went on autopilot. Many said I was crazy. Well, frankly, I am. At least now, I happily admit it. A young, inexperienced lawyer? Who the hell does she think she is? They asked. Um, sir, doing the right thing doesn't require permission or tenure, I thought. Go ahead and call me nuts. But the truth isn't, and it had to win. The fight to free a wrongfully convicted kid was off and running. Hundreds joined the effort, and the press followed. Yet it all could have come to an end the night of the accident. A big rig hit my car, hauling it off into a triple flip, landing in an embankment out of sight. 
I wasn't breathing when they finally found me. Twenty-two broken bones, a punctured lung, and a bleeding brain later, it took a mighty toll I'd fail to recognize for years to come. Dear son, you were there that night I died, long before any human idea of you ever came to be. Engulfed in an infinite, formless warmth, love, and light, it is where no fear or judgment exists. It is the magnificent and all-knowing peace. My father's soul and innumerable others shined and thrived, whole, perfect, and complete. I didn't want to leave. But then a message came so clear. Now is not the time. An indelible mark of that home within was etched into my being. Another's breath was forced inside me, and a thump of my heart was heard again. My soul returned to a body that would struggle for years to survive. But now I know the reason it did. It was to carry your life. Truth is, I had no clue how to live in this life before my body was shattered. Navigating emotional, mental, and physical pain thereafter was beyond difficult, and my choices were not all smart. Any normal person would have taken time to heal before returning to public life. Me? No, I had to prove my worth. And thoughts are crappy things when you believe they are really you. My mind was alive and kicking before I could even take a step. Fueled by a hospital ivy line of morphine. Tap, 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 it rang. Just accept your broken body. You'll never walk again. Outside rumors fueled the agony. She'll never be the same. She's a goner now, out of our way. I didn't know any better then and responded inside. Screw you and screw that. Hey, watch me now. I'll get back on my feet again just like my daddy did. Plus, an innocent kid was still behind bars, and I was still free. Sure enough, my body got up and walked again. Years of hard work brought prestigious titles, awards, and accolades. Then I ended up in the arms of the most powerful man in the state of California. But none of that erased the fact that I was struggling deep inside. I was so gravely ill-prepared for all that would happen in my life next. Tragedy after tragedy hit, back to back and out of the blue. Death and trauma reared their ugly heads, and I never could seem to catch up. Perfect fodder for a sociopath and highly addictive drug. I fell into a swamp of terror and saw absolutely no way out. Worse, the press marred the truth and turned my agony into a scandal. The system denied justice, and the hell only continued. Shame consumed my entire being, and I nearly let it kill me too. All connection back to the truth within was stuffed down deep and forgotten. I was once the up-and-comer, but now my life became treatment, jail, and hospitalizations. Bumps and falls, hopes and gains, the road to recovery was filled with challenges. 
All along there you were, dear son, waiting for mommy to get better. To say I'm sorry will never be enough. All I can do is strive to give you a healthier parent and the things I have learned today. It was only in you that hope and commitment remained. It was only through you that I could barely breathe again. It was only from you that I saw glimpses of that home within. It saved my life in the darkest hour as I cried on my knees. Please, oh please, please, infinite one, please show me how to live. I've tried so hard. I've tried so long. I've tried every possible way. Please take away this shame and pain. My children need me thriving again. Please show me the truth of what I am. Please bring me back to that home within for them. And there it came, dear son, to break down the chains. I saw what was real, illusions erased. It whispered so gently, wipe your tears now, get back on your feet. Your true self and home are right there within you. Step by step, walk again. Remember you did it before? This time, remember there are lights along the way, always there to guide you. It's time to free yourself now, dear, just like you did for that kid back then. Everything changed. A seven-year journey came to an end. Another phase of life began, thankfully now in wholehearted living. Dear son, please stay here with me, knowing the one and only truth within. We are infinite beings of love, light, and warmth that nothing can change or hide. It is here where your true self remains the same, no matter what anyone has said or done. It is here where your life's challenges hold purpose and beautiful rhythm. And it is here, dear son, where we first met and will forever hold hands in time. Of a flame that never dies. You are not alone. If you are dealing with shame and trauma, please reach out to me through my website, nadia-davis.com. You can get a free band shame tip sheet and find out about upcoming events. I'd love it if you picked up my book, Home is Within You, wherever books are sold. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend, leave a review, and make sure to follow me on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sending warm hugs. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.